and welcome to Abbey Archives, a Redwall reread featuring one pagan and one Christian going over the series to see what aged like fine strawberry wine and what aged like milk. I'm Izzy, I use sincere pronouns. And I'm Kit, I use she, her pronouns. You can find us and the content for the podcast, including art and links to other Redwall-related things, at Abbey Archives on Twitter. We get a good description next of just the castle. It's such a short description as we get this, like, weasel running through it to the larder, where it's, it's, this place is in bad condition. It's run down. There's no staff. There's cold floors. There's only ill-trained soldiers left to run this place. Dripping it is walls. wet. Yeah. There's dripping walls, slimy water. Like, we get these descriptions of, like, the upper floors of the castle are much cleaner, much warmer, much drier, because that's where, like, that's where Verdaga and Zarmina and Gingivir live. Or lived. Yeah. Quote, unquote. Now only Zarmina lives up there, yeah. but it was, it's, you don't get those same descriptions. Now Zarmina's room gets fucking destroyed constantly. Yeah. Like, where does she, like, part of me is just like, where does she keep getting this stuff? Okay. I think she just steals them from the other room, also, is what so I think. I, I think when she gets somebody to clean her room, like, I made a mess, clean yeah. it. They just steal stuff from the other room. Speaking rooms. of her, like, destroying stuff, too, it's like, um, where did they get the wool to make blankets and pillows from? That's a good, that's a good question. I don't have an answer for it. <laughs> this has been bugging me. Especially, like, when they talk about, yeah. like, oh, yeah, also, here's some milk to drink. I'm like... Where did they get the milk? Where did the milk? Where did the cheese come <laughs> Where's from? Where's the cheese? You can make cheese without milk, right? But the problem is, but is also that- this kind of implies that maybe the cheese is made out of um, other milk. Yeah, I'm just like, like mm. mouse titty milk. I'm like, where, where are you getting the milk? <laughs> but there's also this is a thing that I want to talk about is Brian switches between the idea like especially in the earlier books swaps between the idea that the world that they're in had or has humans in it yeah cause... because there's the farm yeah there's the old farm which is a human-sized structure well like for the longest time when when i read Redwall, especially like in high school i always imagined that the abbey itself was a human-sized structure and that the occupants it is not well, like in my in my head, I'd always figured that the <laughs> occupants had renovated it to fit them, which is why they're able to fit so many people in there. Um, no. The end of Mossflower does a very good job at explaining that. Yeah, one. but like again, like but yeah, and it and then you have you know the one horse that shows up what in Redwall yeah. with a cart that is human size, human size, human like implied. I think it's like even implied to have been stolen. From humans or from the farm. Yeah, it was stolen from the farm because the farm is a human-sized farm. This is why Brock Hall is a mansion in a tree. Yeah, because it is implied that these are animal size. Like the badger is badger size, the mouse is mouse size, the wildcats are wildcat size. You made a note about looking up the wildcats and seeing if there were any in England, and that there are, and that they are cat size. They are like domestic cat size. Yes, they are little. They are tiny and they It's like a bobcat. Bobcats are kind of, they're, they're like small, smallish dog size. Well, that's the thing is that when they were talking about wildcats, like, again, like, I am an American. When they talk about a wildcat, that was what my brain goes to. Because for me, yeah, a feral wildcat is a I also went to bobcat. A bobcat or a lynx, yeah. yeah. But no, they're just these little things. They're cute! 
They're very cute. They're actually cute. Uh, like, I'm imagining, like, this terrifying. cute little, like, Sarmina, like, having an absolute hissy fit. I'm just like, oh, is the little kitty angry? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so there's this, this, this entire building is just in bad repair because Verdaga is ill and Zarmina has basically, I think, just run out any staff that they may have had. Yeah. Because there is absolutely no way that this entire, like, fortress can be run by these weasels and ferrets and stoats with the way that they describe them. Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming their cook is also one of these, although it is brought up a couple times that when given the supplies and the chance, the co- vermin are very good cooks. Yeah, they, they like good food. They're just not good they at do. They love it for themselves. They're not good at growing things. They're not good at farming, which is a lie. Yeah. It is a lie. It's just because they don't know how. They haven't grown up with it. They're not taught to do it. They could fucking do it. Like, I will give credit where credit is due. They do actually, like, Brian does make a point of, like, Sarmina herself even says a few times that, like, my men are not farmers. They're mercenaries and warriors. They can't till the fields. They don't know how to till the fields. So yeah, she's even... aware of the, like, she's aware that she needs the people of Mossflower to be able to continue existing. Yes. And the people of Mossflower are also aware of yes. this, which is why they're like, well, if we just leave, eventually she'll starve herself out. Right. Which is true. If they had just stayed hidden, they would have. Yeah. I think one of two things would have happened. Either Zarmina would have just burned the entire forest down, which... I don't think she would have done that unless she was getting desperate, desperate. Which... Or she would have just had to leave. Yeah. Because there was no food. She would have had to go with her army and take over somewhere else. But... And there are places that she could do that. Yeah. But as as my dad often says when I start to nitpick uh, plots, bad plots and stories, then there <laughs> wouldn't be a story. Then there wouldn't be a plot. You just have to... Yeah. You have to accept sometimes that the characters are going to do the stupid thing... Because we yes. need them to do that for there to be a plot. So yeah. in this case. And you, I see that you have made a note about, uh, and I actually brought this up later in my notes, about um, what the uh, foxes are supposed to be yes. and what like the stereotypes are based on. And we both went, they are, they're racist Romani stereotypes. So there, a lot of times the foxes are like Romani stereotypes or barbarian stereotypes. Like in Marl Fox, they're, they're barbarians. Yeah. Like straight up. They're well-organized barbarians. Like, which is because well, the Romans historically called accurate. barbarians. Yes, it is because they called Vikings and other like Gaelic, like the Gaelic tribes in um, like Ireland and Scotland and in England. Like the origin of the word barbarian. They called them barbarians. The, the origin of that word, like fun little fact for Isn't you guys. Isn't it Barbary? No, actually the origin of that word is because it was the Romans mocking their language. The Romans would go like ba ba ba. That was, you know, ah, so they would go like ba ba ba, which racism. became barbarian because they mocked their language. It became barbarian. Racism. Yep. Romans! They're a bunch of dicks, but I still love them. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) I like their mythology. (laughs) Anyway. The Romans can go fuck themselves. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Valid. Yeah, they're really, really bad and very lazy Romani stereotypes Mm -hmm. about a traveling healer that is not trusted. A a snake oil salesman. 
snake oil salesmen. There's mysticism around foxes that is very reminiscent of that kind of very classic Romani stereotype that you see in like fucking Halloween costumes. God, like they use use crystal balls and they do. They use all of the 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 quote unquote like mystic mumbo jumbo kind of bullshit. Not only that, that we but like the way they dress. The way they yes. describe them being dressed and I their behavior. I think this might be the only book where both of both of the foxes described are not dressed like that so yeah. much. They're just... Like, For- Fortunata wears, like, nicer clothes when she's, you know, in KOTOR. But when she's in the forest, she's just wearing, like, traveling clothes. Yeah. But because she's a fox that aesthetic is still badly associated. Yeah. And I'm assuming the mask as Patchcoat is wearing something similar. Yeah. Like a, a, a like kind of maybe like a, a ratty cloak, maybe a ratty vest. Who knows? Yeah. Also clothes and the amount of clothing that oh, any boy. animal wears in these books is wildly different. All the time. Like, sometimes they're just, like, I imagine, like, aren't moles? Sometimes they're moles? just naked. Yeah, moles are just naked. Moles just, I guess, like, the justification behind that is you don't need as many clothes underground. Because, yeah. like, if you're underground Whereas, like, Zarmina, it's implied that she's always wearing clothes or armor of some yeah. kind. Oh, sorry. Um, Can we tangent back to, this also kind of connects to um, my earlier note about um, Brian J being anti-monarchy. Yes, yes, I also had a note about that. Yeah. Yeah, there's this, we start getting into this, and there is such a huge thing where it's, like, I literally, when I started realizing this, because I didn't pick up on it as a kid, but I started picking up on it now, was just, he is, I spent an hour, like, literally my note, I wonder who the Wildcats are based on. They're obviously medieval tyrants, and their aesthetic has the hallmarks of English lords and kings. Okay, that begs the question, was Brian Jake's anti-monarchy, I'm googling this, stand by, literally an hour hour later. later. Supposedly, he was a humanitarian slash socialist. Now, I could not find sources on that at the time. I still have not found sources. But that defo more points towards him being against the monarchy, being a humanitarian and a socialist. This does not excuse, like, humanitarians and socialists in the UK are still racist people. Um, It is unfortunate. And this is the thing. We are going to, it's entirely possible that he wasn't doing any of this on purpose. These are tropes. Yeah. It's what he grew up with. This is not an excuse. Yeah. This is not an excuse for him. He should have done more thinking. Yeah. Because it's very obvious that these tropes are rooted in very bad stereotypes. And, but he was writing books for kids where these tropes are very black and white to children if they don't know any right. better. Like, I didn't know any better. I'm going to say this. I'm going to call myself the fuck out. Uh, Bo Burnham style having an Aladdin costume. <laughs> when I was younger, and I do not... One, I don't do this anymore. And two, I was a kid and didn't know better because no one had taught me. And I didn't learn this until later in life. I dressed up as Romani. Uh, More specifically, I dressed up as the ste- as as that kind of stereotypical like mystic aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when I started getting into witchcraft and Wicca, and it was bad. Yeah, it was bad. I've done a lot to unlearn that shit. Yeah, because it's bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's really really bad. Um, but yeah, the Wildcats are definitely based on. Either older monarchy, or it's entirely possible that Brian Jay 
viewed the current monarchy like this as well as like the parliament right well i'd one the parliament fucking sucks i'd say like probably he's going straight up for like a unchallenged monarchy aristocracy because like the thing is is that like zarmina rules alone she has the ultimate say there is no hearth Mm -hmm. there is no parliament there is no one else to tell her no or to counteract her so this is this is a commentary on like total monarchy without a any checks or balances again like we mentioned like whereas we get later on in the book we see they do a vote in brock hall and it's unanimous right like they do a vote they're like if we can't all agree on this then we have to find a different solution let's discuss the solutions we currently have and then vote on the one that we think will work the best it's a very you know diplomatic democratic and socialist like way to do things yeah um and it doesn't always work like that because, you know, then you get into if everybody has to agree, then nobody's going to agree. Right. And you get into the way that a lot of, uh, like, smaller communities who try to work as pure anarchist societies right. tend to get stuck in committees forever. I'm not saying this happens with all no. of them, but it is a very common thing to have happen because it is if we can't all agree on a solution or a compromise, it doesn't happen. Well, it's like... And we will discuss it forever. Like I've, just, I've spoken to a friend about this before. It's like, like, communism as a theory works in a community, in a small community. Yeah. But the bigger it's theory scales, versus practice. Right. The bigger you make the scale the more certain systems break down and you see the holes in them. If you're in a small community, so like the one reason that Red Wall works as well as it does in its socialist, in its community-driven um, ruling system is it's, because it is a small, self-contained community. They don't have to worry really, about outside influences. They are all within their walls. Yes. Each of the communities within Mossflower Country, because Mossflower Country is a country, Without a centralized That entire ruler. forest. Yeah. yeah. It is a country without a centralized ruler. Each of the communities have their own rulers. And if something starts happening, they all come together and have like talks and discussions about things. If it affects the entirety of the, the, the greater com- set of communities as a whole, yeah. um, which is in my opinion, a pretty decent way to do it. Yes. Um, but again, back into, um, the, yep. book. the book. The book. Sorry. That's okay. We, knew, <laughs> like, we can always cut out tangents if they get too long. That's the glory of, like, yeah. you can be the editor. Um, what is the... What are the native peoples of Mossflower? That's the thing that I'm curious about, too, is that, like, it's heavily implied it, it, that... I don't... Like, I mean, like, it's implied... It's, it's, it's Im- it's implied that it's the Badgers, but the Badgers, and I bring this up later in my notes, is that the Badgers feel like the good rich people yeah. trope. Yeah. They still have that very colonizer kind of vibe to like them. Like they live in a hall. Well, yes and no. They live in a mansion. Well, it's the Brock Hall. And I'd say like for me, the Badgers would definitely be more similar to like the Picts and the Celts, like the peoples who were in England before the Romans came in. So like if we're going for like Mossflower is kind of like an XB of Britain, the Badgers... I'd say the Badgers would probably be similar to the Picts and the Celts, like the original peoples of the land. Um, the Romans would, I would tentatively say the Romans would probably Oh, wait, no, we know who the, the native people of this land is, and it's the Sparrows. Yeah. 
because he gives them a very, very bad accent. Brian, what the hell? Yeah, we're going to talk about that in Red Bull. Yeah, it's not good. Birds are not treated well in these books for the most part until he just stops writing them all together. Yeah. And they're just birds the same way that fish are just fish. Yeah. Even though you would think, like, super large fish should be able to talk. I mean, they. the thing is, is that, like, the good guy, the good guys have to be able to eat something. Well, that's why it was, like, the large fish, because there's also, like, they talk about, like, skylarks and other birds in this. It's the way that Brian approaches animals is weird. Is. Because at the end of the book, there's a giant beetle. Well, I mean, we see that pet beetle. We see the pet beetle with the logalog. He's like, oh, I've got a, pe- a beetle. He's basically my pet. And part of me is like, how do you know what pets Either that's are? a really big beetle or you are actually true size. Right? Well, like, that's the thing is that, like, I just imagine them close to the size of their actual animals. Like, that just, it, it that's, keeps my head from That's hurting. how I always tried to do it. But at the same time, the discrepancy between the size of a mouse and the size of a badger is a lot. Yeah, but it also makes it a lot more fun when you imagine, like, a mouse kicking the shit out of a ferret. <laughs> so... It just or a mouse kicking the shit out of a rat. Yes, like it just because mice are like a third of the size of yes, rats. Yes, especially feral rats. Good God. Um, yeah, and I mean they do talk about like vermin being larger yes. than these, but like hedgehogs are bigger than mice. Yeah, moles are bigger than mice. Basically, shrews and mice are around the same size. Yeah, and otters. It, it, but here's the thing. Otters are massive compared to mice. I'd say, like, the otters and the badgers would be similar in size. Like, see, again, like, that's the other reason that I always imagined the buildings being human size, because how else would they fit such a discrepancy of sizes in there? Like, that was my main... Because, see, here's the thing. The way way that he, in all of the books, he he just switches between them being vaguely around the same size with some of the animals, you know, still being kind of larger than the other ones. Mice are still, like, small. Badgers are still big. Yeah. But they're still, it's more like a small human versus a larger yeah. human kind of thing. And they're, like, people. Like, especially the hares. Yeah, the hares. Oh. <laughs> I love them. Don't, I love them. I love the hares. They're great. They're so ridiculous. I love I them. I have very mixed Very, very Shakespearean. Hairs. They're very Shakespearean, and I love them. But I also have mixed feelings, because they're also colonizers! They're also obnoxious as hell sometimes. Like, there, yes. there are several hair characters where it's like, you, what, what? I wouldn't mind if you had an accident, sir, and didn't come back into the plot. <laughs> they're, they're, ugh. We're gonna, when we get to the hairs, we're gonna get that, because I'm pretty sure, yeah, we get to the hairs in this yeah. book. Take a shot. They're later. <laughs> we're gonna get into that. <laughs> but... It's just, uh, and like, it's, but it's implied, like, yes, Martin is smaller than the ferrets and stoats and weasels and smaller than Zarmina, but Zarmina is able to wield his sword, which means that it is a sword that he's not tiny. Yeah. This is a sword, because if it was mouse-sized, like, if they were scaled properly, she could have snapped it like a toothpick. Right. But she had to jam it into the stone of the door jam and break it. Yeah. Which, by the way, she breaks Martin's sword just straight up, and I forgot that happened. Right. Part of me is just like, oh. I thought it was, for some reason, my brain was like, oh, it was already broken. No, she gets so pissed off at him that she takes it from him, slams it into 
the, the, the jam of the door and snaps it and then is like, as a, as, as a like mark of shame, hang it around his neck. Yeah. And he's not having it. Um, <laughs> he's like, no, this is a mark of my revenge. Yeah. And I'm like, you do you, buddy. That's fair. <laughs> you can't, you can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the way that I've always imagined them is kind of that clothing is weird and I just kind of always went back and forth like if it said they were wearing clothing they were wearing clothing if it didn't it was whatever I imagined so sometimes they'd just be wearing simple shit sometimes they'd be wearing nothing I mean they've all got fur most of the time the otters don't wear anything except a belt I mean to be fair the otters also get in and out of the water because like could you imagine how much like clothing makes a lot of drag so that's yeah. the same reason They're just wearing I imagine the moles belts. don't wear a lot. Because, like, you're digging through the ground. Why would you wear trousers yeah. when they're just going to get filled with dirt? Yeah. This is one of those things where I think, like, the squirrels wear tunics, but that's just because they can get away right. with it. Um, all three of those races wear belts to hold their things. Like, they've got, you know, pouches and shit, so their stuff doesn't get right. lost. Um, whereas, like, more pastoral creatures wear clothing it's again like we get back to that like don't civil- ask me how hedgehogs wear clothing but they do we get back to like that civilized versus uncivilized yes um, which you know to an extent like if you actually do look at other cultures that's not uncommon where you'll have like the people who settle down to farm have time to make clothes you have time to raise the sheep. Or the adults you know. have time to make and wear their clothing right. and they'll let their children run around right. naked. Because, like, kids are going to be kids and it's easier to let them be naked. Right. <laughs> like. <laughs> my sister my sister gives Bristol a hard time for running around without pants or shirt on. Like, she's two. Let her enjoy it while she can. <laughs> let her be naked. Let her be a little. Because she's not going to be able to be naked when she's older. Because. Yeah. Um, society. Society. <laughs> we live in a society. Um, we live in a society. <laughs> okay let's see let's get back on some sort of oh also a note that i made i love the slowly the slow build-up with argulor like building his presence he's very good because like again he is like a random element usually accidentally on the side of the heroes but he does hamper them in that he's the reason they can't move freely they know he's out there yeah they have to be careful because he's around kotor like basically just picking off like the vermin whenever he's hungry yeah. and he absolutely would just take a mouse yeah. they're not as filling but if it's what's there they don't they still don't move particularly yeah. fast and i love it because like he's like he is explicitly not evil either he's just no. hungry he's just a predator they they do this with the birds a lot the birds are not evil they're generally neutral parties yeah. who either have to be convinced to help or they just are there, yeah, and like Argilor. Because I know in other books they go and they talk to, like, eagle, eagles in the north, yeah. right? Um, and there's the sparrows, there's Chib, there's the swans. Uh, I know there's more bird. There's the owls who pop up a couple of oh, times. The owls. <laughs> and usually they're, they're, when they're in the books and they talk. Yeah. They're neutral parties. Well, like, they have to be convinced yeah paid or they're just there and the way that they act is just kind of like they're here and this is how they are in the world like the swans 
Like, I remember there's, like, um, a, I think it's, like, a seabird who gets a wing injured, and since he had his wing injured, he's like, I'm going to help you. Because he's, like, yeah. Russian? And there's there's the, the goose? The goose! The fucking goose? Yeah. The, the, the goose song is so good. Yeah. I love that poem. I want to read it when we get back to that point and, in here. And I like it because, like, again, like, this, this I don't mind because it's not a riddle. This is just how the goose sees the world, and they yeah, have to really interpret it. Yeah, it's really good. You know? And, like, it really plays into, like... Because this is not a Canadian goose. This is an English goose. Yeah. Well, I mean... Because uh, a Canadian goose would not be fucking bonkers like this. A Canadian goose would be like, leave me yeah. alone. Fuck you. <laughs> Big swan energy. What's, what's that one vine? <laughs> or it's like... You, you know, Get Canada, fucked. You gotta be worried about the wildlife. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dead memes. Um, I have a note here because we get to the point where, like, Gonf is captured after winter and thrown in with Martin. I was like, Gonf and Martin are gay now. I don't make the I saw that note. I'm just Slash like, oh, joke. <laughs> and then I was like, that's, that's 100% a joke. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, Gonf is, is definitely some flavor of queer. There's no such thing as a straight yeah. rogue. Yeah, definitely That's not. literally, there is no such Listen, thing. Listen, the then... whole thing is they steal. So what else do they steal? Hearts. Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> this is mine yes. now. Uh, I think Columbine is a very cute character, like honestly. Her. Like, just skipping ahead a little bit. She's very cute, but it's one of those things where... And she actually does something, unlike Cornflower. Yeah. Also, <gasps> like, I will admit, there's a part of me, like, I grew up on fairy tales. And, like, even if I am ace, like, there's a part of me that still kind of loves the 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 wistful not spouse like the wistful person waiting for their significant other to come back like it gives yeah it gives a good motivation for a person to come home it's a pleasant trope when it's done well and in this book it is done pretty well because she's not just standing around yeah she's actively doing things she helps which is she is a fantastic love interest character for gonf we get. Do you have any comments before we get to your Deus Ex Monkina comment? No, let's get to that. A fucking kit in a row. Deus Ex Monkina. Deus Ex what? Eagle. Burden? E- eagle. Eagle. Yeah, Deus yeah. Ex Eagle. And it's just because, like, the, mo- the, the, the monks just the, show up. Yeah, they just show up out of nowhere. Like, in this book, until Loam Hedge comes out, this is not really explained. They just show up. Yeah, like, hello, we're from Loam Hedge. It's like, okay, what's Loam Hedge? What? Yeah, what's Loam Hedge? Oh, it's, it doesn't, it was a nice place, but not so much anymore because of a great sickness. It's like, that's not cryptic. Yeah. What like, the fuck, Abbess Germain? This is a plot point that's going to hurt us later. You know? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the, this is a plot point that will hurt us later um, because Loam Hedge is a sad book. Yeah. As, yeah. as as it do. That's also one of those that breaks the mold of the standard books because yeah. this is, it's a, it it's pretty is more wall. heavily focused on the kind of travel, if I remember correctly. Like, I find I it might strange be that, wrong. Um, like, most but. of my favorite Redwall books are ones that don't actually have Redwall as the center focus. Like, it might Sun be the- Sunflash, the mace. It, like, it might be an anchor point for the reader. Yeah. 
but you're usually like like 80% of the book is outside of Redwall and 20% is like the Redwall's doing like, oh yay, it's puzzle quest time. <laughs> Legend of Luke, The Long Patrol, <laughs> Salamandastron. Well, I guess Tagarung. Pearls of Lutra. Yes, Pearls of Lutra is a good one. I love Pearls of Lutra so much. Oh, I read that when I was still in my huge fucking like otter obsession phase uh, and it did not help anything. <laughs> but yeah, you made the deus ex machina remark and I was just like, yeah, we've talked about this already. What the fuck is the religion? And obviously the way that their like order is set up is it's default Catholicism. Right. Um, but we what did, hold on. Like, like again, like I don't remember most of the other books. I don't, I've only recently read like the, the the most recent books I read was Pearls of Lutra and Tagarung, and right now we're reading Mossflower. Like those are the three that I remember clearest. Um, and like the abbess and the abbot thing, it carries on. Like it is called an abbey. In fact, like I think they explicitly even state like abbeys were a place of worship or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like, there's an old church too. Like in one of the books, there is an old church, and it's like it is a human sized church. It is a human sized church, and it's like, what did these like? What did are they? I think like if if we're going to run off the fact that like maybe humans once existed in this universe, kind of like you know, like in the Guardians of Gahul, like humans did explicitly live in their universe and then just disappeared. Yeah. Um, it might be a case of they they found these places or the early intelligent rodents and so on saw what the humans were doing heard what the humans were doing and kind of they picked up on the aesthetic and some of the culture but they didn't get the whole story so like they know that like yeah, oh there's there's this religion and or like there's there's this- a really careful skirting yes. of religion in that way where it's like oop i bumped my mic sorry there's there's you. that careful yeah there's the careful skirting of religion because they don't really talk about a god. They never mention a god, do they? There's not really a god. There's not really like services. No, like they don't. They don't it's... sing hymns. There's no. There's no, no. scripture. There are, is no, there's no scripture. There's no scripture. And I think a lot of it just has to do with. I think this has this this kind of pulls into um, Brian J being a socialist. Yeah. Because what it is is he. He understands that the, that these that monastic orders like this are communities that work really really well out even like out, like if you remove don't remove the religious but if you don't cons- like if you don't it's there yes. but a lot of it is like they farm they produce things they care for each other they care for people who come in yes kind of thing it's a big community specific thing yeah. um and because like again like a lot of monasteries were like they were the community hub. And yeah. also, like, part of that was because the nobles would, like, use them as tax breaks, so they were the only place where you could grow a lot of stuff. But um, yeah. they still would try um, and take care of their communities. And there's, in all of the books, there is a very big kind of focus on the land. Yes. Not in a spiritual way. Very physical. But in a, it's very, it's very physical. It's very, like, things happen, the land is still here, and it it you live on it yes. and it'll do what it wants yes like, kind of thing he, he like does the end, use like nature in a very efficient way yeah it's very it's honestly very well done because it doesn't get into that weird mysticism that some people do with nature some of the books it does but i think yeah. it it fits with those books depending on what it is yeah but there's no quote-unquote items of power Right, like you don't, you in, don't suddenly in that have way. like, the only... oh, here's this ancient crystal that can like 
hypnotize people and steal your life force. Uh, The only item, the only true item, because some of the villains get these quote-unquote items of power that are just supposed to be, like, bullshit barbaric nonsense right like the that weird mystic you know what that's another very subtle like subtly christian influence thing yes um is that it's idolatry exactly it's like they're they're putting they're putting power and faith into these objects and it's like the spooky bad thing um but then we get martin's sword which is the only true object of power and in these books when it is in the books i i feel i feel that is relevant too because like partially you know martin is the king arthur figure he is the arthurian yes. figure of the entire series martin's His sword, sword is excalibur yes and except instead of pulling it from a stone you have to find it because for some reason it ended up in the middle of fuck nowhere I think he just like he just wanted to hide it to be a dick. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like, like, that's the thing. The only bit of like spiritual mis- spiritualism we get with these books is Martin's spirit is fucking around, giving people dreams and visions and yeah. bullshit. Yeah, like he's like, just like he's I'm bored in the afterlife. I'm essentially a saint. Yeah, which he is essentially a saint, and yeah. it's like what the fuck. Yeah, um, but back <laughs> to the sword. Back to the sword. It being an object of power. I feel the sword has power because, like, like a lot of objects, like, you know, you look at um, real life, um, real, oh my god, my brain is just completely farting here. Uh, shit. Relics. When you look yeah. at real life relics, the only reason those objects have any power is the faith people put into them. I just remembered that vial of blood that, like, every... I don't remember if it's every year or every few years, just kind of reliquifies. Uh-huh. And if it doesn't, bad things happen. Uh-huh. And that is a Catholic relic. Yep. Catholic relics are bonkers and I love them. Like you can just you can just straight up have a bone from a saint. You know, like hey The the forbidden the forbidden relic of um Jesus's foreskin. Oh my god, don't know. That's a thing! It's oh, real! That's gross! No! <laughs> bones it, bone bits well, like, shit like you, that you know like there's also like the spear of longinus which has appeared to disappear throughout history like three times and like at least once we're like 80 percent sure that this guy was full of crap and he was just like hey the crusades are going really badly what do i do um um um, um. hey jesus sent me a dream last night let's dig right here in this convenient piece of dirt look we found the spear that stabbed aside we can win you know um where it's like 90% of it is like, yeah, this thing was a total plant and he just used it to motivate his troops so they didn't get run over by the Muslims. Uh, you know? <laughs> um, but like oh, Martin's sword is very similar in that it's the faith that they put into it. Like we have like this sword that has won so many fights. I have to live up to this sword's name and legacy. So I'm going to put and my so best And so many heroes it. that aren't don't live anywhere near Mossflower end up with it. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh my like, God. how did you even get this? It's a magical teleporting <laughs> sword. Why not? Get here. <laughs> because there's a thing. Between a lot of these books, there's massive chunks of time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Despite the fact that this is still all in the same kind of vibe and and kind of quote unquote era, there's an indeterminate massive chunk of time. There's at least between some books, there's at least two or three generations. Right, yeah. Where it's like they removed have had, from had the time, last book. They've had time to become legend. They've had time to become legend. They've had time to forget things and shit like that. Like the the span of time between 
Moss Flower and Redwall, I believe, is two generations. Okay. It's a long time. Yeah. I don't remember what it is specifically, <laughs> but it is a long fucking time. Yeah. Uh, whereas the difference, the, the span of time between Redwall and Matameo is much shorter. Right. Because that's literally just the next generation. Right. Which has like the added pressure of, oh crap, I have to live up to this legacy. Um, yeah. Which, has to live up to his father. Which is like, that's another trope that I love of like the child trying to live up to the parent's legacy and then realizing like, I can be my own person. Yeah. You know? And then we get like whole chunks of time where it's like, there hasn't been a badger at Redwall in blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Which actually does make me kind of sad. Yeah. Because I, badgers are so weird. Where the fuck do they come from? They just, they, like, they there's, appear. There are books where there are no badgers at Brock Hall. And they have to rediscover Brock Hall. Yeah. I think What the fuck? Well, also, like, the the continent is left, like, the entire world of um, Redwall is kept, like, intentionally vague. The wolves of the north. The wolves of the Who north. Who are they? We don't yes. know. Just, like... Sometimes that brings me into like playful as puppies is a thing is this phrase that is said and I was like are are there dogs in Redwall and then I remembered the wolves and I was like but they don't know about those right <laughs> what are puppies okay but like they also reference like I think they reference like a sheep too or they reference like either a sheep or a cow like in the book and she's like Whoa, how do you know what that is we haven't seen where are one. these animals where are these animals where are these animals I mean nah. like y'all are eating fish. I don't see anybody eating steak. Yeah. You know. It, but also, like, a lot of these creatures don't eat meat that way. Yeah. Oh, like, well, okay, uh, no, but a mouse would 100% eat. Uh, Like, if a cow was dead, a mouse would eat from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, but the, my thing, you know what's something that bothers me about the food? Not enough bugs. Right? They are bugs. They are small. Why are they not eating? I guess, like, if Moles, the bugs. Okay. Mice. Voles, shrews, shrews especially. Yeah, bugs. They all eat bugs. But, like, if I guess if, like, certain bugs were, like, their equivalent of pets, it could be a thing of, like, you know, like, how a lot of Europeans do not eat dog. Yeah, but we don't get giant bugs like that that often. A lot of times the bugs are bug-sized. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's, again, we fall into that weird sizing thing. Because, like, if bugs were big like that... There would be bugs everywhere. Right? Not to mention, not to mention, though, I think, I feel like a, a big part of it is also, like, that that weird kind of, like, quasi-racism of, like, the good guys can't eat meat. Just fish. Anyway, so let's, let's move on from that. Okay, why don't we, <laughs> we have opinions about Loomer, since we're talking about weird racism. Yeah, yeah. And so we've weird... got, we've got, I have... I have some notes before we get oh, to Gloomer about Zar- no? about Zarmina. What? I just Did he come back? Baron and then he Baron nope. again. He's, he failed to join. He failed to join again. Okay. It's fine. Sorry, go ahead. Um, I have this, this, this is some speculation about Zarmina. She's a very cunning commander. And like, again, she's one of my favorite villains because she is legitimately scary. Like, Cloney is scary, but he's not scary in the same way. He's scary in that, like, he's kind of unhinged. Yeah, Zarmina. Like yeah, Zarmina is cruel and vicious 
and cunning. And I'm wondering, because with the beginning of the book, when she was trying to poison her father. Yeah. It was pretty obvious that, like, Verdaga maybe didn't prefer Gingivere. It, it, it's not necessarily that I think that Verdaga, I wrote this, but that's because I wrote it last night and thinking about it more. I don't think that Verdaga preferred Gingivere, but Gingivere was his son. And in these books, it, Brian J. follows that trope of sons being heirs. Yeah. Right? So Gingivere was the heir to the Thousand Eyes title, to whatever fortune and land they had. Yeah. And part of me wonders if the reason that Zarmina is the way that she is, is like maybe she started overcompensating. I feel like trying to be more like her father to get like his attention. And at some point it just kind of became who she is a very cruel, vicious commander who delights in like the torturing of weaker creatures. And her father didn't seem very impressed with that behavior. Well, it's interesting too, because like there's also the trope of like the tyrant playing his children off each other. So the strongest one will win. Um, yeah, but it's it's said in in later books, like even though like Verdaga did come and take things over, he did like and he you know taxed the creatures for food. It was basically a protection racket. Yeah, it was a protection racket. Like it sucked, but it, and this is not an excuse for this kind of thing. This is us talking about it yes. for anybody who's listening. The difference between Verdaga and Zarmina is Zarmina started being overbearing. Yeah about it she took her father's model and was like well he was too soft on that yeah which is even though what he was doing was making sure that they were fed and that the creatures like the people who were making sure that the 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 fortress was fed wanted to stay there yeah and you know lived well enough that they could have children to be the next generation of farmers. Right. Gingivere, I think if Gingivere had become uh, the heir, like if he had become like uh, th- Gingivere Thousand Eyes, um, he, he would have taken his father's model and not necessarily become more soft, but would have made things better for everybody all around. Right. Like, like he would have been a good, like, lord to the land. Yes. And I think he would have listened to the the people of Mosfly, the Woodlanders, he would have listened to Bella of Brockhall. Like, no doubt in my mind, Bella could have become one of his advisors. Right. Straight up. Yeah. Or Gingivere would have listened to Bella and been like, okay, so the Badgers used to be here. What if we did this together? Yeah. Like, as equals. Maybe as, maybe as like, extending an olive branch, like, I'm sorry my father yeah. killed your mate. Let us, yeah. like, let me make it up Can for we... you by finding, helping you find your family. Like, and this is not a perfect solution. This is me definitely playing into Gingivere is still a colonizer and probably would not think to just give it back. No. No, not at all. But there, I can definitely see a timeline where if Gingivere had actually taken over the Thousand Eyes title and was the leader and lord of Kotor and Mossflower, would have brought the Woodlanders in and would have created a council would have started making things better. Yeah. Trying to do more for the land and do more, like, actually, like, trained and taught the soldiers and made more of a mixed, like, guard front and maybe, like, pared down the army, etc. Trying to make things better for everybody. 
this is wild speculation because obviously in a Red Bull book this is not gonna fucking happen. No, he's a he's a he's a verm air quotes vermin. He's a cat. He's got to go. He's a predator. Yeah, and like there's no way like the mice and hedgehogs and moles and otters and squirrels would have mixed in with the rabble of the vermin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and also and like moving- one one other small yeah. thing is that. Um, do you think, like, again, like, he's always portrayed as, like, gentle gingivere, like, sweet gingivere, mm-hmm. like, it's almost a part of, like, you know, like, how, like, a softer man, like, a gentler man is a weaker man kind of a thing? Yeah, it, there's definitely some of this is kind of toxic masculinity and yes. sexism kind of plays in here really well, or really well. It plays into the story, like, there's some kind of, like, Zarmina is leaning much more into a masculine role that is very detrimental to herself and the people around her and that's really obvious i think that brian wrote that really well but the way that he writes jijavir is her complete opposite has not sat well with me to a degree because yes as the book goes on he gets stronger and more opinionated and i think that's good character development but i think from the beginning with jijavir being the way that he was doesn't necessarily make sense it's definitely playing into that effeminate man trope where it's like they're weaker they're not going to stand up for themselves right etc yeah and it's not great but no, like it doesn't sit well with me which is why like i'm heartbroken because like you can see in my notes i'm like i like gingivere they better not kill gingivere and i'm like i like i know he's going to because that's i know he's going to do it because that's what he does to the nice vermin they're nice <sighs> yep. so we care about them and then he kills them that is the only yep. reason he writes good vermin because vermin yep. can't be good guys they cannot um we get voles and voles are considered vermin right voles are oh voles are so voles are vermin but there's so many moments of ver- voles being a neutral party yeah and then they die yeah exactly like the like the the guasin the logologs he kills them like they're cannon fodder yeah also you would think because shrews are fucking predators yeah you would think the shrews but no they're just weird barbaric people from a swamp right which is like they are very much like they and voles are just as bad you know bad quote unquote well, yeah like i don't mean voles, like evil, voles and shrews are very similar and because voles are like they're water rats yes um which well this is me segueing into gloomer but also hi why is the river phosphorescent <laughs> <laughs> We could, Hi, why is the river phosphorescent? I guess we could chalk that up to, like, more fantasy magic, or, uh, like, fantasy world. There's no pollutants in the water, so phos- phosphorescent things live in... That doesn't make sense. Maybe maybe the otters have cultivated a special type of algae. Maybe. It's never explained, and I don't think it comes up ever again. He predicted Avatar. <laughs> Shut up. So, Gloomer... God, Gloomer. What the fuck? See, well, like when I forgot when they first... that Gloomer existed because he only shows up for such a short amount of time. He gets hyped up so much, like this terrible, awful, creepy monster. This terrifying. We get a very good, terrifying description of him in the bowels of the fortress in a lake that's under the fortress. Which, by the way, what the fuck? Right. Like <laughs> that's that's definitely not gonna bite them in the ass later. Yeah. Like, um, hello, why, why, question mark, why are you doing the hello? 
And, like, he's yeah. not, he, like, they just say that he's mad. Like, they never explain, like, like, a water rat Well, so is... the way that they talk about it is, like, he's just this big, brutish thing that was captured. Yeah. Does not talk, is completely, like, just completely feral. Not a person at and all. And has gone more feral from living in a lake under a castle in the dark. He's gone completely blind. Yes. And he looks terrifying and i'm like what in the fuck is he supposed to be because they they call him a water rat and i'm like this is not a water rat also he's massive yeah like he he's he's like incredible hulk to to fucking black widow sized compared to fortunata like he's the incredible hulk size all right here's something else all right oh this has interesting implications water rats are indigenous to australia that's why he's evil. He's Australian. <laughs> oh my god, shut up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. And everyone knows Australia is entirely populated by criminals. <laughs> that was a terrible Princess Bride thing. Colonization. Yeah. Burr, burr, burr. Like, but it's also true, yeah. like, when uh, the white people started coming to Australia, they were criminals. Yeah. So, like, water rats are indigenous to Australia, um, How the fuck did it get there? They're really Where did it come from? Cute too. Like they're actually kind of cute. They they look kind of like if a otter and a rat had a kid. Water rat. I'm googling this now because yeah. I haven't ever. Oh my god, they're really cute. Right. So like I can see why. Like I I'm imagining when he's talking about a water rat, what he is actually thinking of is like a rat, like an actual rat rat that has adapted itself to the water like it chose to live what i think it is is a vole yeah probably what i think it's supposed to because voles can swim yes voles are rodents they look they they look more like mice than they look like rats but i imagine if there was just one that looked like gloomer or 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 it's a muskrat hold on um oh yeah it could be a muskrat yeah because muskrats, muskrats look in yes, muskrats have popped up before. Muskrats look kind of like a beaver rat. Yeah, are they from? But they're na- oh, they're an introduced species in parts of Europe. Yeah, Which, they're like yeah. weird beaver rats, and I could see it being a muskrat that's just kind of gotten super fucked up. Yeah, maybe a poor thing got mange or something. Oh, it definitely yeah. it definitely looks more like a rat than an actual water rat. Yeah. Um, and more like a rat than a vole, because a vole does look like a mouse. Yeah. So... Which is like, what the fuck? <laughs> but again, like, it's this whole... It's like this entire chapter was built up to Gloomer, and then he gets killed by Stormfin. And then Stormfin just goes like, heck this, and swims murked. off. Yeah. He gets murked in murky water. Fuck off. Yeah, because Stormfin, because, like... Wait, 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 drinking game. Stormf- Take a shot every time I make a bad pun. Yeah, do that. Kids... Mm. <laughs> I had to tell the people over at Recorder on the Wall that we're going to be just as bad as they are about puns, because apparently they're also really bad about it. Good. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. This also prompted my, like, how come big fish aren't able to talk, and also I did forget that frogs exist in this book. Well, and other books. we haven't really gotten to them yet, though. And they talk, kind of. Oh, they're going to be another again, bad stereotype, aren't they? 
Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, boy. They they are also bar- barbarians. Oh, boy. But worse. You know how, like, lots of things will handle, like, frog races? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like that. Oh, boy. If I am remembering correctly, That's... take a shot anytime you hear me say if I remember correctly. <laughs> Um, uh, they're like that. And again, we come back to why can't big fish talk? Cause they're clearly, I think they should be able to talk. It's also like, it's clearly shown that like the bigger the fish, the more intelligent it is. Yeah. Cause like they catch like minnows and other like bait fish or like, um, um, like just smaller, like, like pond fish and river fish and they, they, and they eat them. Yeah. And they, they're not shown as being any good. Like, Storfin has some level of intelligence akin to, like... I'd say, like, a dog or a wolf. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, a wolf. It's kind of like the otters have a pet wolf. Yeah. It's like, the, he he agrees to be caught because he knows they will give him food. Basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. it's just, it's such a confusing little, like, I feel like this is part of a story that an editor probably should have just cut the chapter out. Because yeah, I I feel like having Gloomer is just kind of a a weird. It it's like the mask showing up to a degree. It's yeah. just this weird one off that's like unless like what? the only reason I could see this chapter being justified is one if the if like if the underwater lake is going to come back and be relevant. <laughs> okay, so it is kind of okay. So that you'll see. Okay. You'll see. Okay, so like, the, oh, I know that Sarmina is afraid of water, so I'm guessing that probably She ties. is very afraid of water, and it's very funny. Um, so, um, like, I, oh, actually, you know what? Yeah, okay, uh, I take you it back. You know what? Spoilers, this, this chapter... spoilers for the end of the book. Spoilers for the end of the book. Uh, KOTOR, the fortress, sinks into what has essentially become a swamp. Ah, Okay. Because there's a giant cave underneath it that's full of water, and they have a bad rainy season. Okay. Uh huh. Um, and it sinks. I was gonna because say because it's no, it doesn't have good foundations, and yeah. Okay, I was gonna say I do take it back. This chapter actually does have a very important role. It establishes Zarmina's fear of water. It does. That's it does what it establish does. her fear of water. All right, I take um, it back. <laughs> But that's the only thing that it does, and it's like, this could have been done any other way. Well, I also wonder, like... Because she could have just made a comment about the otters in water. Well, does, like, the Stormfin come back? No. Yeah, so, like, he just... He's gone now in the wild. I don't know if he comes back in, like, a different book, but he doesn't come back in this one, I believe. We can we can just make um, the headcanon, like, any pissed-off pike we meet later on is, like, Stormfin's ancestor or something. <laughs> Pikes do show up quite a bit. Or actually, um, not, not ancestor, um, descendant. I always do that. Descendants, yeah. <laughs> Eh. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and then we come back to, like, the way that foxes are portrayed. Yeah. I have this conversation with myself about badgers being the nice, rich people. And, like, fox- I always thought foxes got a bad rap in these books. But I guess, because to a degree at the beginning, it's set up that badgers and wildcats are opposites of each other. Yeah. But as the books go on, it's foxes and badgers that are the opposites. Right. Because, like, they're two of the bigger animals and, like, mm-hmm. I suppose, like... Because foxes and badgers are honestly kind of the same. Like, badgers are smaller, but badgers... They have more presence. They, they have more presence. Unless it's an American badger. <laughs> but these are European badgers. That's true. Well, like, I, I have a story about an American badger, um... I guess like <laughs> Tell it. I guess trigger warning for animal 
um, not cruelty, but animals fighting. But my dad and my grandfather, grandpa, owned Airedales for years and years and years. They had Airedale Terriers. Mm -hmm. Airedale Terriers Mm -hmm. are very strong, ferocious dogs when they want to be. They will defend their yard. They will defend their family. A badger tried to make a den in my grandpa's yard one year. And dad tells a story of hearing a racket in the backyard. He comes outside and two of the Airedales were tag teaming this badger. Every time the badger would turn to attack one of them, the other one would dart in and grab its tail. Every time it would turn. So basically they were playing tug of war with this badger playing keep behind the tiger and managed to beat the badger because they kept it turning, spinning in circles. But this badger absolutely could have and would have taken one dog. It was the only reason yeah. it was that they were able to take this badger is because there were two of them and Airedales are big dogs. Um, mm-hmm. So badgers, like American badgers are not to be messed with. And I always forget that these are European badgers. So like for me, yeah. it's like I'm always imagining an American badger, which is again, like I will heck you up. Just try me, bro. When I was um, younger, I didn't realize that the badgers in America were different from European badgers. Like I'd only known European badgers. Yeah. Um, and so, like, we get the fucking, I I learned what American badgers were, and I was like, what? Yeah, like, European badgers are cute. Like, you look at them. And American badgers will, will, um, say fuck you and destroy your family. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And I think there are some badgers that ostensibly we could describe them as being more American badger than, like, European badger. Yeah. Again, like, maybe this is um, a case of, like, with the otters where, like, somehow they have crossed and fused. Mm-hmm. But. <sighs> uh, and we get more of the, like, we've talked about it a couple times already. Right. Uh, the comedic punishment of vermin. Yes. Like, the vermin. Because um, this was around, this was around when, you know, the comedy of errors that was Ashleg and Fortunata, like, just. Bumbling into each other. Bum- no, this was not that. This was um, Fortunata and Splitnose, I think, running into each other as Fortunata was trying to ingratiate herself with Zarmina. Uh, they just clonked heads and fell over. And it's like, oh my god. Yeah, it's not great. There's there's a point where it stops being funny and becomes annoying. It's like you want, it's like you want them to get a win. So that's just to... To justify the fear that they are supposed to create, it's like, I'm not afraid of these creatures because they can't win. They're not scary. No, they're stupid. Because you know they're going to F up. They're they're bumbling idiots a lot of the times. And anytime we get one that is actively smart, we immediately know they're going to die. By some kind of uh, deus ex machina. Deus Ex Swan. Swan! Murder Swan! God. This is why we put TW birds at the beginning. Birds! Yeah. Also, birds! while we are on the swan, this is just one line, I still love the line of, like, the female swan just, like, settling back into her nest and the line of, swans never laugh aloud. It's just like, oh, that's a good line! Like, Oh, yeah, I, it's really good. Like, I love the swans, I, even though they only show up here. I feel like this is one of the moments where you could tell, like, Brian was having a lot of fun writing because it's such well, a so good swans chapter. are a protected... Sw- every single swan in England belongs to the queen <laughs> and crown. You cannot hurt swans. Yeah. If a swan is in trouble, you have... You are... You are... Morally obligated to save it. Yeah. 
I mean, like, isn't that like a whole plot point in like that one, like Simon, what's his name movie? Hot Fuzz, Hot yeah. Hot Fuzz, yeah. They have to get the swan out of the middle of the fucking road. Yeah. And then it just like rides around in the patrol car with them, right? Yeah. Uh, we get more about the monastic order of druids. We are wise in the ways of Mother Nature. Because they offer to heal everybody because this is where we get the quorum talking about what the fuck should they do and where they go to like hire Chib. This is also where we get like quaint mole speech and all these comments about Chib yeah, like the xenophobia. I made a note of that. Because um, xenophobia, yeah, me... like, Chib is very explicitly stated as, like, they're like, we don't want to trust him. He's not one of us. It's like, he lives in Mossflower, too. And you know what? Oh, I think another part of it is, is that, like, he might be portrayed as, like, not one of us. And that, like, he dares to ask to be paid for his service. Where, like... Yeah, but he's also a bird. And they do this with birds, all the time. Yeah. They do it with the birds in Redwall. But this is also like establishing that to an extent or like the history of it maybe? Redwall came, Redwall was the first book that was written. Right. So this is a, a quote unquote continuation of that from Redwall. Okay. But in the past. Okay. Um, so like Chip's not one of us, like a, the best, Gonf threw in a suggestion. The best spy I know is Chib. Objections flooded in. Chib's not one of us. He's a bird. He'll want payment. I wouldn't trust a robin. Why not one of our own? Also, something else that bugs me. If mask was an option, why did the otter not suggest mask first? Instead of saving him until now. Because mask can't get in and out as quickly. That's true, yeah. He has to ingratiate. He can't fly. Yeah. Here's the thing. He can't fly. Like, he's like, like, he get like, he gets asked, like, can you be a bird? He's like, ah, I'm still working on that yeah. one. I feel, so, I feel like this is part of, like, Brian, like maybe his socialism popping up like the fact that chib demands payment is portrayed as like a very bad selfish thing which like yeah yeah capitalism bad but i think that if a person has a set of skills they should be paid adequately for those skills he has to survive like everyone else you know yeah this is not like i hold i am the only person who holds like the corner on this market, this is, I have a very specific set of skills and I would like that to be acknowledged with payment, please. And, like, that's still a thing, like, even with, because my, right. like, the thing is, it's like, you should still compensate people for the things that they are good at, whether that be food, uh, room, like, room and board. you pay them room and board, or you pay them back with your own skill, etc. Yes. It's a trade and barter system. Like, he's it's, just trading a skill instead of an object. Yeah. And so, like... And it's candied fucking chestnuts. Right! It's not like he's asking for, like, I want all the gold in your monastery or something. It's like, he wants something somewhat practical. It's a sweet, it makes him happy, it gives him energy. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. We demand justice for Chib 2021! (laughs) (laughs) Justice for Chib 2K21. (laughs) Justice for the birds, Justice for birds! 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 (laughs) Take a shot. <laughs> yeah. And then we move from there. We get back into Zarmina being a tyrant and making her soldiers run double time around the fucking, like, courtyard over gravel. Why is the courtyard gravel, by the way? That's dumb. Yeah. Um, they have rocks in their packs and she gets mad at Ashleg and makes them basically chase Ashleg around. She tortures him And, like, him she mocks up. him. She fucking torments and mocks him and, like, is very ableist towards him. Yeah. Like, she, she, like, it 
Sarmina uh, laughed mockingly and she dug Fortunata in the ribs. Ha, thumpity clump, eh, Fox? How long do you reckon he'll last? And Fortunata's like, not long at this rate. Yeah, she's just like, thank God that wasn't me. Yeah, she's like, look at him trying to keep ahead of those spears. Oh, Ashley reason- might be too bright, but at least he's obedient and loyal. And Zarmina's like, I guess. And like, the reason she did this to him, wasn't it because they still had her father's title, like daughter of blank? Daughter of Lord Green Eyes, yeah. yeah. so she had a hissy fit and threw him out in front of the troops. Like, yeah, call me that again. So... Actually, that happened before oh, Chib, that was but whatever. Chib? Okay, I couldn't remember. That happened before Chib. Well, that happened before they went and paid Chib, but it was after the comments about Chib. Okay. And then we get to Chib and where I start yelling about compulsive heterosexuality <laughs> because Columbine is here. Uh, we discussed this already. I like Columbine. She actually does <laughs> shit. She is a good character. She's definitely one of the but- better written, like, female love interests. Love interests, yeah. Because, um, like, but I remember also other compulsive ones. heterosexuality. <laughs> you gotta have one <laughs> per book, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Let them be gay, damn I, it. Okay, I guess we could argue, like, some, like, some of, like, the non-species pairs could be, like, uh, gay life mates. Um, yeah. Like, you cannot look me in the eye and tell me, like, that one hair and owl from Taggerung were not, like, <laughs> They were boyfriends. Oh, I forgot about them. Yes. They're, they're boyfriends and you can fight me on this. Like, they're, oh they're Timon God. and Pumbaa, all right? They are life partners. Fight me. The Long Patrol, not the Long Patrol, but the theater group from the Long Patrol is a polyamorous group and you cannot change my yes. mind. <laughs> but that, <laughs> I do like Calm. Um, like, she is a good character. She's a um, good, she's a good character. Um... Because, like, she actually, like, everybody else is, like, they don't want to work with Chib. And Columbine is, like, listen. Yeah. <laughs> I got this. Yeah, she's, like. And she's, like, very respectful to Chib. And she's, like, hello. Mm-hmm. Hey. And Chib is, like, I'm <clears throat> I'm going to deal with her and her only. I like him, that. Him, 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 And you know what? He's justified. Because all the other ones are being dense. <laughs> They're being fucking rude. Like, Gonf and, and uh, what is it? Dinny? Yeah. Or, no, it's one of the otters, yeah. I think. Uh, no, it is Dinny. Um, they just eat some of the chestnuts and just Chib is like well i don't have to do anything for you guys and and columbia is like you fucking idiots yeah listen here's what we'll do you'll get this now i'll make sure that there are this number of chestnuts in here to compensate for the ones that they ate like idiots and if you get hurt we'll double your fee and chib is like well okay i also love that chip is also very good at his job (laughs) i also love though like as they're walking away and they're just like are you really gonna double the price if he gets hurt and she's just like well if he gets caught by argular we're probably not gonna have to feed him anyway (laughs) so just like yeah like she knew because like if he gets hurt due to like if he gets hurt by the people in kotor he'll probably come back yeah but if argular Argular catches him he's just gone yeah which that's a snack. Yeah, I, I I like that part. Like I love little sly loopholes. Like, well, do you really think that's gonna become a problem? <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, that sure is fucking smart. This this does continue a trope where the women in these books are very smart. Yes, like they are the ones who manage to go. Boys, put the knives down.
Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Abbey Archives. And if you'd like to read along with us, join our Discord, linked in the description below. You can also follow our parent podcast at Hope's Hearth Pod. Remember to wash your paws like good dibbins and take care of yourselves. Bye!